Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Before we start our service, our sermon, I have a little story I want to share with the kids. So I'm going to invite them all up. And um, today, as they're coming up, you guys are welcome to come up and sit up here. I have a fun little story for you guys that is not just for the children. It's for everyone in the room, adults and children. So when I was asked to preach today, you can just sit right down there. Thank you, guys. Um, Make sure you can see, so turn around and just face right over here, so you want to make sure you can see that screen right there. So when I was asked to speak, uh, my name is Vanessa, my um, husband is Colt, one of the pastors here. Um, Oftentimes we have three children, I'm like, Lord, I'm so busy, can you just give me like a little something, a little direction on what I should speak? And the Lord um, gave me this dream, and the title for this sermon came out of that dream, and it's called Tending the Gardens of Our Hearts. And um, in the Bible, Jesus used a lot of parables, which are stories, which Keith just talked about, to explain his kingdom. And he used a lot of language like, like gardens and trees and plants. Um, so I'm going to read a parable today that um, goes along with gardens and trees and plants. And then we're going to start our, the rest of our sermon, my sermon. Anyway, okay, so I'm going to start. And you guys can just look right up there, and there's going to be a little slideshow coming out with some fun pictures. So it says, in Mark 4, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen. There we go. You can go right to the next slide. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So I wrote a little story. That was the word of the Lord. This is not, but this is just my own story inspired by that parable. And this story is called the story of the unkept garden. There once was a girl who bought a house with a lush garden all around. It was a beautiful garden with lilies, daffodils, queen ants, and peonies. But the garden was not tended. And while we don't quite know why, one could assume... She was too busy. Or perhaps she didn't understand gardening and didn't care to learn. Or perhaps she assumed gardens took care of themselves. After that first blooming summer, the fall came and the last petals fell to the ground. 
weeds started growing and the soil started depleting. One day, the girl looked out at the overgrown garden and heard a small voice say, it's time to tend to your garden. <gasps> the girl, startled by the voice, jumped a bit. But curiosity led her to ask in return, how do I tend a garden? The small voice said, check, search, give. So now, kids, you guys get to go to your Sunday school classroom and talk about what that means and do something together. So your teachers, if you just go right to the back, they'll be there waiting for you. So even though that was for the kids, I just want to invite you to just maintain a posture of childlikeness. I often find children actually really um, lead me to the deeper and profound things in life. And the Lord speaks so deeply through children. But I feel oftentimes he uses the childlike things to kind of break down our walls and break down our facade. So even though this um, was childish, I invite you just to let it, let it just minister to you and speak to you. So check, serve, search, give. When I had this, so this dream that I had in it, it was this topic of tending the garden in my heart. Um, the Lord gave me three tools that I feel that are an opportunity for us to build, start building a lifestyle of cultivating these little, using these tools to just start cultivating this lifestyle of tending the gardens of our hearts. So the first thing, um, the way that we can tend the gardens of our hearts is building a lifestyle of checking our hope and joy levels. I want to invite you to kind of see hope and joy as being part of good soil, what we need for plants and things to grow. And in that soil, hope and joy make up a good soil garden. So what is hope? Hope in the Bible talks about hope and confidence, and they connect them, which I find is really interesting because when we think in society, hope... I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I hope Christmas will come, or I hope I get this. I hope this doesn't happen. Hope really has this, like, really emotional, um, really just not, not solid, confident association, right? And I kind of feel like that perhaps maybe there's an attack with that. Maybe the enemy doesn't want us to really see the power of hope. So we're going to look in the scriptures, and I just want to invite you to just open your mind to seeing hope in a different light and that word. So in Psalm 71, 5, it says, For you have been my hope, sovereign God, my confidence since my youth. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It also says in Psalms 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. And in Hebrews 6.19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope is confidence. And in fact, I think it's kind of interesting if you replace the word confidence with hope. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word, I put my confidence. We have this confidence as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure For you have been my confidence, sovereign Lord. 
So what do we have hope in? Right? We have hope in the blood of Jesus. We have hope that Jesus is the redeemer of all things. We have hope that Jesus turns all things together for good. We have hope that in our weakness, God is strong. We have hope that when we don't see X, Y, and Z, God, our provider, provides. We have hope that when the world is crazy, that the world is saying one thing, God's promise is something different, and it will come to pass. Hope is actually our confidence, and we, uh, hope is actually an anchor into the future, the prophetic promises that Jesus has. And so you see, um, for good things to grow in our lives, we need to be anchored not in our surroundings, not in what we see, but in what's to come into God's word and not just the fleeting moments. And then there's joy. What is joy? And joy, I think, is another one that can be really misunderstood in our society and culture, right? We really love our emotions, and I'm a female, and I love my emotions. Um, but I think we associate joy really just more with emotion and, the, and, and this idea that joy is happy. And, you know, that's kind of where we leave it. And this, we even have this whole idea that, like, oh, do whatever makes you feel happy. Oh, if that makes you feel happy, you should do it. And i just like to propose that, that's actually not biblical. <laughs> so joy, what is joy? I want to propose that joy, what the Bible says joy is, joy is strength, and joy is a tool to use to endure through hard, challenging times. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. In Psalms 28.7, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. It also says in Psalm 16, verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And in Psalms 19.8, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I also think about what Jesus did, the joy set before me. He endured the cross. And then I think about our idea of joy, if it was happy in this whole phrase of do whatever makes you happy, feel happy. And I just wonder if that was what God offered Jesus, do whatever makes you happy, would he have endured the cross? And so I just want to propose that joy, yes, it's this beautiful, there is a feeling in joy, like when we're in the presence, like that the Psalms talk about, yes, we experience joy. But joy, I would just like to also shed another light, that joy is a tool. Joy is a tool for endurance, for when the hard times come, we can receive joy and endure and keep going. And I think about, you know, um, I've had three children. Anyone who's had a child um, giving birth, however, by C-section, naturally, with whatever, you would never put yourself through any of that without the joy set before you. Like, no one in the right mind is going to cut their stomach open, you know, and just be like, sure, have your way. No, the joy set before us, before a mom, says, no, I will go through this crazy torture, whatever it takes for this joy. And so I do get, in a sense, kind of what um, Jesus went through on a little scale um, to invite us that, yes, joy is an interesting thing. It's not just this feeling, but it's actually, it's alive, and it's there to help us continue to go forward. So 
I've been in this, working with a sermon and just talking with the Lord and, and just kind of having these moments like, okay, Lord, let's, let's just check my hope and joy levels. Like, where are they? Um, and it's really funny because there's all these frustrating situations that come up recently in my life. I have three children, and in fact, I was going to a wedding. I was going to Bill's daughter's wedding, and my girls were just, like, all over me, you know, like, ask me this, ask me that. I'm like, I got to go. And I'm like, stop talking. And then I get in the car, and I look at my watch, and it says three hours. So I was going to be, like, an hour and a half late, and I'm mad. I'm driving through the traffic of New York City, and I'm like, I'm mad. And the Holy Spirit's like, where's your hope and joy levels? And I'm like, they are nowhere. And I'm mad. I'm missing it all. And it was just, so it was just interesting, like, in those moments. And I had another moment. I have a toddler, right? And anyone who has a toddler who knows when they get a cold, they do not know how to blow their nose. And it is so frustrating. You have to use, like, this little, like, sucker thing. My brother's saying with it, and he's like, you just suck that snot out of her nose, and I'm about to vomit. That's really gross. But as a parent, you know that's what you got to do. You got to suck it out. But it's dripping, and she's just, like, coughing, and she won't eat anything. And so then she's like, the one thing she would eat was avocado. So I'm like, great, feed her avocado. We got to get food in her. And then she's like coughing, really? Okay, I'm, this might be gross, but she's like coughing up a loogie, right? Like it's down there. And also she coughs, and this is a toddler. If you know a toddler, when they throw up, they don't know how to turn down. They don't know how to go to the bathroom. They're just like, blah. So now Flo, precious Flo, is like throwing up green slime all over the living room, and I'm trying to get her to the bathroom, and it keeps throwing up everywhere, and I'm like, I'm mad this. My husband's in the prayer room, and here I am picking up the slime. I'm mad. And God's like, where's your hope and joy levels? They're nowhere. So I find these are really been interesting moments. And when I was studying soil... Just like, oh, how do you find the pH level of a soil? What makes good soil? Um, there's some tests you can do to see if the soil is um, alkaline. No, you want it acidic. You don't want it alkaline. You want it acidic. And they call it the agitation test. And I was like, oh, that's good, Holy Spirit. So basically what you do is you take a little soy out, you put it in a cup, you put some water, you put vinegar, and you shake it up. And I was like, wow, isn't that what you do, Lord? These moments are like agitation tests. You know, where's your hope and joy levels? And I just want to propose that these may seem funny and may seem like, no, Holy Spirit is not in traffic and I'm mad. It's totally justifiable. But I want to just propose that perhaps it's a sign and, and we can look at it and say like, oh, maybe this actually speaks to the deeper um, level in my whole entire life right, where my hope and joy really is, just in life. And so in these moments, I've been inviting the Holy Spirit to come in, and, and I, you know, on the way to the, the wedding, I had a great communion with the Lord, and it was awesome. With Flo, I didn't have any deep revelation, but I'll tell you what, I started reciting the verse that has been my lifeline in parenting, in my strength, you are strong, in my strength, you are strong. And I will say, the presence of the Lord came in. And it is in those moments where we have an opportunity to pause and say, I could keep being mad, or this is an opportunity to say, okay, do you want to speak into my hope and joy levels? So you find out you have a low hope and joy level. What do you do next? Well, it's kind of like in a car, I imagine, too. It like kind of goes down. And in that way, I think it's kind of interesting because you need the gas to keep going, right? And that hope and joy, right, keeps us going if it's endurance and confidence and strength. Um, but we're not talking about cars. We're talking about gardens, so we can't really go down that route. 
But they use this term to help um, create an acidic soil, and it's called sweetening up. And I think anyone who has been walking with the Lord for a while, for me, I was like, oh, that's so great, Jesus. I love that word, sweetening up. How do we sweeten up the, our hearts when we see these areas, these rough areas? One of the examples they give that you can use is you can take the ashes and the coals from a fire and put them in your soil. And so I think that is so beautiful because in the Bible it talks about God's presence being like a fire, right? And, and a lot of times um, in worship we talk about being close to the presence as a fire. And so I, uh, the tool I want to give you is what do you do when you see these low levels? You get in the present. You go to church. You go to the prayer set. You go and spend time in worship. And as you worship, you're going to experience the joy because in his presence is joy. And then the beautiful thing is I almost imagine as you walk out of that, you have these coals that are now starting to sweeten up your soil. It's starting to change and shift the way you think and the way you feel about life. Another way that we can sweeten up our hearts is in the word of God. In his word, I put my hope. We have this, this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. The power of the word of a God, because the reality is, if we have no grid to know what God's word says, we really hope really is just, oh, I hope this will happen. It doesn't have that confidence that we need to walk through life to sustain whatever happens. So I highly encourage you to get in the word of God and to memorize it. As, as maybe little as that verse is, in my weakness he is strong, let me tell you, the power behind that is insane. And it's not just a sentence. It's alive and active. It invites Holy Spirit to come in, change your thinking and change your environment and change your surroundings and allow you to walk now in the confidence in the word of God. So... The first way we can tend the garden of our hearts is to cultivate and check our hope and joy levels. The second way we can tend the garden of our hearts is to search our hearts for unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, I like to see, are the weeds in a garden. The weeds choke. They draw nutrients away from good plants. They take up space. They distract from the beautiful flowers. And if unkept, they will just overrun the garden and, and dominate the view and the picture of what a garden will look like. What does the Bible say about forgiveness and unforgiveness? So first, talking about forgiveness, it says in Psalms 103, verse 3, who forgives? Who meaning God? God forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. But with you, you referring to God in Psalms 134, it says, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. So the first place, if you have received Christ in your life and you are in relationship with him, you then have experienced the profound, beautiful experience of forgiveness. And you have walked, you look at your past with forgiveness covering it. You live in a reality that you can access his forgiveness right away, any moment. 
And you live with the hope that you will always have forgiveness in your future. Whatever happens, you have that forgiveness. We are living in a sea of forgiveness. And it is beautiful and it is glorious. And it is the best thing that we get. One of the best things that I can just say, God, I'm sorry, will you please redeem that? Oh, my goodness. The power of redemption is it brings me to tears because I can pray that for any little mistake, anything I mess up. God, I am sorry. Will you please redeem that? And he does. And so then what Jesus asks us in the New Testament is to take that concept. If you live in that reality, live in that concept. But now what do we need to do with that reality? In Luke 6, 37, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven. In Matthew 6:14 through 5 it says, "For if you forgive other other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins." And that's really heavy. It's really hard to actually hear, honestly. And I'm not going to promise to fully exegesis this, fully break this down. But this is what the Bible says. He is asking, hey, you have been forgiven. Now go and forgive in return. And in forgiveness, I've done some inner healing training and programs a lot of times what they talk about is forgiveness, unforgiveness can look like a prison, right? Where we are putting ourselves in captivity and we're holding ourselves captive from being free from what that person has done to us. And while it may feel like unforgiveness will keep what they did wrong and make sure that everyone and they know that it is wrong, I want to acknowledge that, yes, it was wrong and we have all sorts of stories where we have pain, where people have done some stuff that's been wrong. But unforgiveness doesn't solve, it won't fix that, and that is hard. What unforgiveness does, it invites us to cut off from that. It invites us to receive actual real healing from God and not be haunted and not be connected to that. It also allows us to not be their judge and hold the weight of judging them and hold that burden, it allows us to give that to Jesus and let Jesus do what he needs to do. And thankfully, he is the perfect judge and he knows exactly what to do in their lives to hopefully maybe walk them out of that if they want to partner with Jesus or whatever happens, right? So I just want to invite you that forgiveness is for your wholeness and your health and your growth. And forgiveness also allows Jesus to do what he needs to do. In a sense, I get this. As a mom, I see my children. And there are times when I'm like, okay, yeah, you are totally in the wrong, little one. And I'm hearing everything you say. But when you're accusing her and now you're holding all this, I'm like, ah, Fern, you better stop because if you keep talking... You're going to be the one in trouble, right? It's like, it's this interesting thing. But as a parent, I know when someone's in the wrong and then, okay, I'm going to have to walk this person through wholeness, right? And I'm going to have to partner with my child in this to work on this. But with you, okay, now we got to work on your heart, right? So Father God is really good at, I want to work on your wholeness 
and you can let this person go, and I will now, I, I'm aware, I'm aware of all my children, and I'm, I'm on them too. So I just want to give you that freedom if there's been these hard things. Like, you don't have to carry that burden of trying to, you know, um, figure out what the justice needs to be on that situation. I also want to talk about just little forgivenesses, too. Um, case in point, my two daughters, Fern and Lilo, they're seven and five. They like to play Barbies. I avoided it as long as I could because I do not like Barbies. But that's another story for another day. But here we are with our 20 Barbies. Ugh. Anyway, so they like to play them, whatever. But, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I'm away, and all of a sudden you can start to hear, like, the conflict starting to arise, you know. One person wants it this way. The other person wants it this way. And you're like, can I leave it? And then it's uh, a little higher, a little heightened. And then my little one, my um, Lilu, my middle one, she, I just know her reaction is going to be like physical lashing out and meltdown screams whine. Fern, hers is going to be verbal accusation, right? So they have their two different ways of suddenly attacking each other. So I have to come in and I'm like, okay, okay, separate, separate, okay. And I've learned this parenting tool from, um, um, there's this pastor out in California named Danny Silk, and he has a lot of great parenting tools. And he talks about helping um, rebuild connection. So, and basically working on forgiveness. So I say, okay, all right, separate. I don't care who did what. I don't even want to know about that. What I care about right now is that you guys rebuild your connection. That you guys first work, we first forgive each other. And then we'll talk about whose Barbie did what. <laughs> so, a lot of times they're like, Ugh. and the other one's like, mm, which I think is so interesting because children, once again, they reveal so much about who we are as humans and adults. Really, there's so many things you can learn about even adults with that. And I think that's interesting. A lot of times when we're in unforgiveness, we're like, Ugh, and we cannot see anything, and we don't even want to look at them, and we're just so closed-minded suddenly in our thoughts, and we're in this like position. And it's just so interesting because you're like, nothing can get solved here. Um, and you see, too, the pain of the father, of the parent. You're like, come on, you guys. Really? Barbies? This is so petty. But so many of those things happen to us, right? So then I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, can your pinkies forgive each other? Can, we, can our pinkies touch? So eventually they're like, mm, okay, my pinky can forgive her pinky. And so they slowly come together. It's like Star Wars, right? The forest is like. Or no, oh, like E.T., I guess E.T.'s, right, where they're like, bing. So it's amazing, though. Once they disconnect their pinkies, it's like their hearts open up, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I love you. And they fall into each other's arms, and it's beautiful. And then this drama and this conflict is, like, gone, and they don't even care anymore. And I find that happens a lot in our life, right? We have these things that just bug us, right? And we hold these little, little offenses. And I just want to invite us to start searching our hearts for unforgiveness. And I was in this, um, this inner healing group, and we were practicing some tools on us. And we'd meet during the pandemic. And we would meet weekly, twice a week. And we would ask ourselves, okay, is there anyone you need to forgive this week? And let me tell you, putting this on your calendar every Monday morning, every Sunday night, is there anyone I need to forgive this week? is really important and really powerful. Like these little tools are just supposed to be little subtle things that you can just activate and use whenever. And I think about um, the verse in Ephesians where it says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. It says that in Ephesians 26. And to me, I just want to invite you to, at night, 
Search your heart for any anger, any unforgiveness. Unforgiveness really is anger. They're very connected. To search your heart and say, God, is there anyone I need to forgive? Okay, I need to forgive my husband. He was chewing again with his mouth open, and he does it every time. And it's been five years. Okay, yeah, I need to forgive him again. You know, it's like I find the people closest to us, right, are like the ones where you're like, eh, that's annoying. But those are little weeds. And so we have in our life, I want us to just imagine, sometimes we have these big weeds that are big things that are harder. We may need even need help, someone to help us walk through that forgiveness. But there's also a bunch of little weeds that are not that hard to pull out, but the invitation is let's pull them out. I've been doing a lot of gardening in our, our, ba- in our new, we have a new home and we have this garden and I've been doing a lot of gardening and I was pulling out the weeds and reflecting on the sermon and I felt like the Holy Spirit's like, how do you like doing this? I'm like, actually, it's really relaxing. Like, I love putting my hands in the soil and pulling these weeds out. It's really fun. He's like, yeah, it's really fun for me too. It's actually very relaxing for me to just search your heart and find this weed and let's just pull it out. So I just want to invite you, the pleasure of God in this process of just Let's just search our hearts. It's really enjoyable for God to just clean out our hearts in this way. So how do we tend the garden of our hearts? We, number one, we cultivate a lifestyle of checking our hope and joy levels. Number two, we cultivate a lifestyle of searching our hearts for unforgiveness. And the third and final way we can tend the garden of our hearts is to give out of the overflow to be a blessing, to cultivate a life of generosity. I like to envision this as, as the flowers in your garden that are now blooming, that you can cut off a few and give a bouquet away. I'm not necessarily asking you to like dig out the whole plant and like, you know, give it to a person. I'm just saying, look at your life and see where have I been blessed. Let me start reflecting on my blessings and let me just give a few away. The Lord is, we lived in the city for over 10 years, raised three kids here. A two-bedroom apartment is tight. Um, yeah, it really is tight with a family of five. But all, a lot of people do it. But we've been blessed. We, we, were moved, we moved out to New Jersey, and we have a home. And the Lord's like, I blessed you with this. I'm like, yeah, you really have. Thank you. And he's like, okay, be a blessing to other people. So I just, the Lord just called us to like, okay, people are in transition. Let's let them stay here. Let's be a blessing. Keep giving. And even at times when I'm like, I don't know, he's like, keep blessing, keep blessing. So the invitation is to reflect on what we've been blessed with and give from there. And what does the Bible say about giving and generosity? It says in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. I think that's pretty cool. I had to highlight it because it's such a big sentence, and there's so many commas in there that it kind of gets confusing. But really what it's saying is a good measure will be poured into your lap when you give. It will be given to you. That's pretty profound and pretty amazing because I think most of the world is like, I'll keep my stuff, thank you very much. Here's my boundary line. And while boundaries are important, I do believe that there is a reality of living generously and freely that frees us and allows God to even actually fill us with more, like Keith was sharing um, in, the, in the offering message today. It also says in Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The generous will themselves be blessed. So it's really interesting because I just think 
once again, especially when we've had wounds, okay, and especially maybe when we've had boundaries crossed. So I don't want to deny that, once again, I feel like there might be people who've had, you know, really painful things. And it can be hard to know how to walk in the boundary, but then also hear these verses of generously give, you know, and you'll be blessed. And so I just want to invite you once again to start dialoguing with God about what that looks like. Because the Bible is saying that that we are to live lavishly. We are to give and be a blessing. And we are supposed to um, give out of the abundance of what we've been given. So how do you give out of your overflow? I just want to kind of get creative about helping you think through this. Like, Have you been blessed with a great career and you have this great career path? You could give by mentoring someone and guiding them on how to walk through a career in a healthy way. Have you been blessed with cooking amazing desserts, Keith? Which Keith has. You can make a dessert and give it away. (laughs) Or how are you strong and and can you help someone move? I heard Joe Ito just got a new apartment, so he needs help moving. But there's so many ways to be creative. And there's the financial, absolutely. But I just want to invite you, do you have a beautiful smile like Creighton does? And he then is giving his smile away every Sunday, welcoming people. That is being generous. So there's really no excuse. I just want to invite you, even with my children, it's like, no, you don't have money, but okay, maybe we're not at the toy giving our toys away. I know that's a big one. But what about just you're a hug, you know, or let's give away. You have strong arms. You could help mommy with a, with a plate. So I just want to invite you to think, just begin to shift. Like generosity can look Like so many things can be really big and it costs you a lot, absolutely. And God's going to ask you to give away and do a big costly gift. And I totally have had those moments. But then there's also these really little ones. There's like this scale. And so the invitation is to keep our, our hearts blooming and beautiful. It requires us to cut those flowers so we can get more. So to just review, as we wrap up, I'm going to invite the um, worship team to come on up. How do we tend the garden of our hearts? We first build and cultivate a lifestyle of checking our hope and joy levels, checking them on big things, right? It could be, okay, I, I felt God, you told me that this was going to come to my life. You've called me to do this. I have not seen it. I felt like I have these promises. I have not seen them. I invite you, go to Father God and let's say, okay, where are my hope and joy levels in this area? Check them on the reality of the world. God, how am I going to navigate whatever you want to allow to happen in this world? It's crazy. It's getting crazy. Okay, go to the word of God. Get planted in his word and read what it says about what he says, where he says the world is going and what he says the end of the story is. Or it's those moments where your kids are nagging you and you just need a moment. It's in those little moments, right, too, where the invitation is, where are my hope and joy levels? And then it's searching our hearts for unforgiveness. It's either going to the hard places of the really big roots and maybe bringing someone along and saying, hey, I need help walking through this unforgiveness. But it's also, yeah, they cut me off while I was driving. 
I need to forgive them. Yeah, that offended me. Yeah, the way they do that, I don't really like how they, their personality does that. That's offense. There's so many little ones that I have seen where I'm like, I need to forgive them. I need to forgive myself. It's the little ones that we need to start building this search, this, this habit that I could search my heart throughout the day and be like, hey, did I just hold an offense to anything or anyone? I remember there was this article I read that um, made me really fearful about a situation. And when I went through kind of this praying process, I had to forgive the person who wrote the article. I don't even know them. But I actually had to forgive them. And so I just want to invite you that forgiveness is this this opportunity just to really start building this searching. I'm going to search my heart. I'm going to see, is there anywhere I need, anyone or anything I need to forgive? And then the third is to give out of the overflow, to start taking an inventory of your blessings. So start just getting creative and saying, yeah, okay. I think a lot of times we just think financially is the way that we've been, we've been blessed. But, hey, I, I have two strong legs and I have two strong arms and I have a smile. I can bless someone with that. I have Jesus in my life. I could just be like, hey, bless you. You know, it doesn't even have to be grand, but I feel like, once again, this is an invitation, just a practical invitation to how we can start tending the garden of our hearts. Because the interesting thing is this keeps our heart tender to what Holy Spirit wants to do. This keeps our heart connected to the truth of who God is. When things come at us and we want to put up those calluses and put up those walls and put up those, I'm going to dig my feet in and I'm going to put up my boundary and I'm going to say, nope, there's a recession coming. It keeps us saying, well, well, maybe there is, but God says, I will provide for you. God says that you are my child. I will not leave you. So I'm going to be confident, first of all, my hope in the Lord, and then I'm going to forgive whoever maybe started this recession. I don't know. And then I'm going to give, right? <laughs> so I want to close with this exercise. And you are welcome to take out your phones, journal. I assume most of you may not have a journal with you. We're digital age. We've been in the digital age for a long time. But anyway, take out your phone or journal, and you can write this down, or you can just sit with the Lord and get quiet with him. And the, if you guys just want to play or whatever, that would be great. And we're just going to ask God right now. We're going to ask him some questions, and we're just going to dialogue with him a little bit. So the first thing we're going to say is just you can close your eyes or you can write whatever. Um, We're going to say, and you can say this in your heart, Father God, what are my hope and joy levels? And And where do they need to increase? What are my hope and joy levels in this area, that area? Where do they need to increase? Is there something coming up? A situation at work? A situation in life? A relational situation? What are my hope and joy levels in this certain relationship? What are my hope and joy levels at work? What are my hope and joy levels about the future? Father God, this week, what do you want me to do about it? 
Should I come to a prayer set? Mm, they're not having it this week. Oops. <laughs> Should I put on some worship music? Should I get in the word? Should I read Hebrews 11? Should I read Psalms 119? What do I need to do this week to increase those levels in that area? forgiven them is there anything you want to say to me about them or that situation blessing. Father God, where have I been blessed? How can I start cultivating a generous lifestyle? 
how can I be a blessing today? Or this week? still just communing with God. I want you just to think about your week and either ask God or maybe you know this answer. And if you can, pull out your calendar and put a date, make a date to call, tend to the garden of your heart this week and go through these. And after church, maybe I invite you, maybe put a a little alarm on for every week for the next four weeks and start building a practice of tending the garden of our hearts where we're just learning to check our hope and joy levels we're learning to just search our heart for unforgiveness and where we're just building a habit of giving out of the overflow going to close us in prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you are our hope. I thank you, God, that we can be confident in who you say you are, what you say you'll do. I thank you, God, that in your presence, we get joy. That if we're ever in need of joy and feeling downtrod, discouraged, we can come into your presence and we can receive strength and joy. I thank you, God, that you forgave us of all our sins and all our inequities. I thank you, God, that even when we know what we should do and we don't do it, you forgive after that mistake, in the midst of that before. You forgive. I thank you, God. Just thank you, God. And I feel like, yeah, just that heart of gratitude, thanking God for forgiving us. God, I just ask for the grace and for the capacity and the courage for this company of believers to forgive others their offenses when they happen. That we would be quick to recognize an offense in our heart. We'd be quick to recognize this little weed, this little seed of unforgiveness. And we'd be so quick to pluck it out not live with it and father I thank you for the profound mystery that when we give we get more wow God what a mystery that we have barely explored what a crazy law that you have in your Bible that you have in your kingdom that when we give we get more that in our need we can give out of our need and you will fill us with more so I just break off any poverty mindset right now. 
any holding back, any fear of lack in the name of Jesus. We thank you we don't have to live with that. (laughs) We don't have to live with it. You don't have to live with it. You can give it to Jesus. Because God's law says that when you give, you receive. So we thank you, God, for the power of your word that we can be confident in it. Thank you, God, that your word gives us confidence. What a profound revelation that's so countercultural, that your word, this Bible gives us confidence and strength, not the weights we pump at the gym, but your word. So we thank you, God, for the power of your word that's alive, breathing, and active that it cuts through bone and marrow and flesh. It cuts through, it pierces our hearts and it produces beautiful things in us and makes us like you. So I thank you right now too, just for the promise I feel maybe for people, the promise that he is faithful to complete the work in you, that he is committed to completing the work in you. I thank you, God, that for some people, I feel like you may need to hold on to that promise, that maybe you don't see that, but your confidence is that he will complete the work in you that he has set out to do. We thank you, Holy Spirit, just for your sweetness. We thank you for your strategies, for your way of doing life. We don't want to do it the way the world does because it doesn't work. hard, it's heavy, it's laborsome, it's intense, it's maddening, (laughs) but your way, Holy Spirit, your word, yeah, and I just want to invite you guys, you can come up to the front, but I just feel like there's a a re-love for for the word of God today, that I feel like Holy Spirit just wants to re-wet our appetite for the word of God, and I just invite you, maybe even under worship, bring your Bible up and just sit if you want to. You can receive prayer, but I was just invite you, get right now, open up your Bible and read the Word of God. I feel like there's just this desire, this hunger, this re-love for the Word of God. And I'll tell you, you're going to need it. I don't know what's going to happen in life, but we're going to need confidence and strength. And I just believe this is an opportunity just to fall in love with the Word of God in a whole new way to see it as alive, to see it as the source of every answer you may have, to see it as like, I cannot sustain life. I cannot go on without the word of God. So I just invite you just in your seat or come up, just commune with Holy Spirit right now. And I just invite you just to get connected to him with the word of God. And and if you need time, if you need to be prayer. I'm always so bad at closing services. (laughs) I don't have it down, but if you need prayer, you're welcome to come up too. Let's just stand or sit or read and just enter in the worship. worship. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.